Amen. Good morning, everyone. Is this thing on? Hello. That is. A little bit. Amen. Yeah, this morning, um, it's really interesting how God does things in my life to show me what we're supposed to uh, talk about. And because all, all week, I, I know I've explained this before, but I don't really plan things out ahead of time. I would love to do that. He never lets me do that. All he does is he lets me get close to him. So that, that's really all I do. Every day I dig in the word and I just, wherever he takes me or whatever I'm reading, whatever I'm studying in his word, it's, it's just to get close to him just to draw to him, and then he'll tell me at some point what he wants me to speak on. And I've shared this before, where, where oftentimes it's not even until I walk up here that he is clear, Here, here's, here's what I want. But this week was interesting because as of yesterday morning, I still didn't know, and I'm going on a, for, to a conference next week, and so much of that has been on my mind, and and what the Lord's having me do next week and that sort of thing. And so I'm just, Lord, please. I started this on Monday, which I always do. After Sunday, I'll take Sunday afternoon and rest and take a breather, then start Monday morning. Okay, Lord, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to say? And, and usually it's silence, 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 silence until he reveals it. Well, yesterday he began to reveal it because I, I was just, Lord, I... I know we're at a critical time right now. Even in my life, in all this church's life, we're at a critical time where, where we need to hear from you. We need to be seeking you. What is it that you want me to say? And he began to tell me this idea about open doors. And then I read a, a prophecy from a lady that, that I get emails from that we follow. Her name's Lana. Uh, as a matter of fact, Bryn had introduced me to listening to her, getting her emails every day, probably six months ago or something like that. Um, but it was uncanny how it just seems like Lana is part of our church. And I've shared that with you before, and, and I've shared several prophecies of, of hers before. And I want to read one today because it fit perfectly with what the Lord wanted me to say, and I don't think that's an accident. But before we do, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you and praise you, Lord, and we just worship you this morning because you are worthy of our worship. We honor you, God, and we just pray for your presence here. We invite your Holy Spirit here. Thank you, God, for your presence. As it was through worship, continue it through your word being presented. And Father, I pray that not a single word comes out of my mouth that is not of you. Lord, you know that I want none of my own. I want only what you have to say. Speak to me. Speak to my heart. Speak to these people and to their hearts, Father. And, and to those online, speak to them and to their hearts. Father, we love you. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. This was, I read this yesterday morning, I don't know if it might have been from the day before, I'm not sure, but, uh, but I read this yesterday morning, 
and this was from Lana. It's called The Door Changed. That Door Changed Everything. The Lord has been speaking to me about significant doors in this season, but specifically a pinpoint door. When I asked the Lord about the meaning of the pinpoint door, I felt him say that it was the door that was going to open in the lives of believers that have given him their yes. That will change everything. The door that will be looked at and the moment that his people will be able to testify everything changed when that door opened. These pinpoint doors will require the wisdom and discernment of heaven to see them as God's people move towards them. There will be, as God's people move towards them, there will be flags of confirmation everywhere to confirm the confirm with accuracy and 100% clarity that this is where he is leading. As these pinpoint doors opened, I saw angels on the other side that had been on standby, waiting for the yes from God's people. The Spirit of God had been working behind the scenes, behind this door to prepare what is bigger and more wonderful than could ever have been imagined. Ephesians 3.20 Now that the door had been opened by the Lord and God's people moved toward it with their yes, there were so many angels waiting on the other side to assist and minister to God's people as they enter. There will be significant increase in angelic activity as these pinpoint doors are walked through. There is such an increase, positioning, and promotion on the other side of these doors. As they open, remember you're not alone. The Holy Spirit will be your teacher, comforter, and helper. There will also be greater angelic assistance in this acceleration. What I noticed about these angelic hosts on the other side of these pinpoint doors was that they were holding tools that you would use to build a house or renovate a house. It was like a heavenly divine renovation. I felt the Spirit of God saying these pinpoint doors are not only releasing things that are completely new, they are bringing an upgrade in every way. Nothing will be left untouched. It will feel too good to be true, but I am restoring the awe. I am restoring the awe and wonder to my people of my goodness, kindness, and lavish generosity and love. I watched as these doors opened and a ripple effect of change, breakthrough, and increase was taking place. Like a glorious divine earthquake that was breaking open even the hardest ground, it was shifting and moving everything in the most glorious way to release even greater blessings of God. The major tidal wave of favor that is falling on the yes of God's people and stewardship of lives and giftings and purity is now gaining momentum. At the end of this vision, I felt the Lord saying, your life is being changed by me and marked by upgrade and change birthed out of my heart of extravagant love for you my people.
You are about to live your greater realization and manifestation of Ephesians 3.20. God will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. The vision ended as I saw the angels surrounding the throne, and they turned to one another and said, Can you hear that? Listen to that. The cries of God's people are changing from despair to thankfulness and awe. All around the throne was the sound of thankfulness, raising up from the hearts of God's people as the heavy yokes of burden were broken off and a new day of breakthrough had suddenly dawned through a pinpoint door. You know, we see doors every day. At every stage of our walk with Christ, we see doors. Why? Because he puts them there. He puts an open door where he wants to realize us to realize that that is the beginning of his will. And as you walk with Christ, it's not just one door, and I made it through the one door, my life is complete, I don't need anything else. It's a series of doors, because each door takes a step of faith. We recognize the door, but it takes a step of faith to step through that door. Why? Because you don't know what's on the other side. You look at what's on the other side by faith, you, you know this is where the Lord wants me to go because you've prayed and you've proven that out. But then you step in faith. So see, he places these doors in front of us, but oftentimes we don't listen. Oftentimes it's scary. It was a little bit scary when Alexis and I got rid of the business and stepped out into ministry full time without any safety net whatsoever. It was a little scary. It's a little scary when you step into something that you know the Lord wants you to do. Today we have a prayer walk. It's a little scary walking up to somebody you don't know and saying, Hi, let me give you this track. Or, hey, can I pray for you? That, I don't know about you. That's scary to me. I think that's probably scary to most people. It's out of their comfort zone. It's not natural. You know, many of the things of God are not In our comfort zone. They're not natural. Why? Because our flesh is natural. Our flesh is what doesn't want to do those things. Right? So so as we look at these doors, there's something else required. And and it it said it at the beginning of this, but this is this is such a crucial aspect to it. It's our yes. See, we have to give God our yes. It's not just a matter of seeing the doors. It's not just a matter of recognizing what God wants in your life. See, before you can recognize that, you've got to give him your yes. If you're not giving him your yes, you're never going to see those doors. You're never going to see what he wants for you if you're not giving him your yes. So it begins with giving your yes. But then he opens these doors. How, How do these doors work? How do we recognize that these doors are for us? How do we recognize God's will? 
Jesus gives us a little truth, and he sees what we do with it. When you first got saved, think back in your life. When you first got saved, you didn't know a whole lot about the Word of God. I mean, unless you maybe grew up in a Christian home or something. You didn't know a lot about what he wanted. It was all new to you. But he began to open a door, the first door. The first door was an easy door to recognize. You give him your yes, he opens the door. By faith, you step through the door. And you realize when you're on the other side of the door that, wow, that's just what he said. Yeah, it's exactly what he said. So now when you step through that door and you become comfortable with those surroundings, he opens another door. And see, there's a, there's a principle to this. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 13. Because this is a really interesting principle, but yet it's hard for Christians sometimes to, sometimes to accept or to grasp. Matthew chapter 13, we're going to read verses 10 to 13. And Jesus had just been preaching and he gave the parable of the sower. And then the disciples pull him aside later and and they ask him to, what in the world were you just talking about? (laughs) So verse 10 starts with this. Then the the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables to who he was preaching to? This was the world. And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For the one who has more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. See, what he's saying there is is he confounded the world in the greater treasures of God. Why? Because they had to understand the first door first. They had to understand that Jesus Christ was the Messiah first. Until they recognized that door, until they gave him his, their yes and stepped through that door, they couldn't see the other doors. Why? Because it's, it's blocking it. You can't see what's coming up until you step through the open door that Jesus has. And that's what he's telling them there is purposely, and I think this is crazy, because what, what Jesus is saying is purposely, I gave a story that they would not understand. That's so opposite of our thinking. Because, see, we would think, well, no, Jesus is going to lay it all out for them. You know, use as much as he can to get them to understand that he's the Messiah. That, that, I don't know about you, that's my thinking. But that's opposite of what Jesus says here. He said, no, I confounded them. Why? Because they've got to go through that first door. They have to understand who he is first. That's the very first door for any person. Is when they accept Jesus Christ as their Savior and they give him their yes in that, that's them stepping through that first door. But see, then Jesus begins to open up these sequential doors. But do you understand that, that it doesn't mean that when we accept Jesus Christ, all of a sudden we just see all the doors. 
They're all just right there, and we can step right through all of them. Open them all up, I'll run straight through. See, it's not like that. He takes us in steps. Why? It says it right here. Verse 12. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Have you ever had an open door that you knew you were supposed to go through? But it was a timed event, and you didn't step through it. That door was closed. That door was taken away. See, oftentimes in our lives, when we step up to a door and we see this is what God wants, it isn't just open until we go through it. See, because there has to be something that happens on our end. It's obedience, right? It's obedience because if that obedience doesn't come in the time frame that he wants it to come, then that means he's got to go back to the previous door. He said, okay, they didn't learn yet. Perhaps they didn't give me their yes. Perhaps there was fear. You know, what are you facing right now in your life that you see a possible will of God, a possible open door, but yet uh, I just haven't walked through it yet. That, that makes me nervous. That, that scares me. You know, I, I know God said he'd provide, but, but you know, this is reality. <laughs> you know, we talk ourselves out of that sometimes. But you see, Jesus can't do anything until you give him your yes. He can't do anything until you step with faith through that door. Because that's what he does. I want you to turn and, and let me just apologize up front, okay, because we have gone, I don't know why, but the Lord keeps taking me back to this, this passage. I'm sure most, yes, you said it, Revelation 3. If, 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 you've, uh, if you've not been here before, this is probably about the 20th time, I don't know. But I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 3. We're going to talk about the church in Philadelphia, but from a different aspect today, from the idea of an open door. Now, let's, let's look. Now, first of all, let me explain something here, because th this helps to understand. The seven churches, the letters to the seven churches, which is in the, the first three chapters of, uh, really, chapters two and three of Revelation, those are three actual letters that Jesus Christ wrote himself, if you read the beginning of, of Revelation, says that these are the words of Christ written down by John, and John delivered it. These went to actual churches, seven churches in Asia, okay? So, so it went to seven churches. However, they were not titled, okay? This was not, even though you see titles, they were not actually titled in the original language. What they were was to go to all of them. They were to be, to be distributed amongst all the churches. Okay, so even though they were specific to churches, okay, which you'll see, you'll see in the letter, it wasn't titled to the church because there were aspects of it in all the churches. So we have different applications here. Now, here we are some, you know, 2,000 years later or whatever. How do we apply this? Well, there are applications of those seven letters in different ways. One, individually. We all have individual application. We can look at this. And, and if you read through it, you'll understand what I mean. 
And we already know that there was the application that it went direct to the church. Okay? But then there is the application that within a church, we have all of these represented. In most churches today, all seven letters or people would be represented in a church body. But what I want to focus on, what I want to get you to understand is there's another application. There's a prophetic application to this. If you look at the seven letters to the seven churches, you'll see the aspects of them mirror the church beginning with the church of Acts. And it goes all the way up to the very end of church of Laodicea. And this is the timeline of the church. Now, why is this important that I'm saying this? I want you to understand where we're at. And this, this is where I differ a little bit with, with some theologians. A, a lot of them believe that we're, that we're in the time of the church of Laodicea right now. I don't believe we are. And I'll explain why in a second. Um, although there are aspects, certainly, of the church of Laodicea what, that, that there are. I mean, what is the church of Laodicea was that you're neither hot nor cold. You're lukewarm. I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Obviously, in the church today, we have a lot of those people. We have a lot of those kinds of churches. It's easy to think that that would be the case. However, what we're talking about today, I think, will give you a little bit different perspective on it. Let's begin reading in verse 7. And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, The words of the Holy One, the True One, who has the key of David who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. Let's stop there for a second. There is an open door for the churches right now. There is an open door to commune with God through with Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. There is an open door to have this relationship with him. There's an open door. And he said, by the way, nobody can shut it but him. This is an open door for the season of the church that we're in. It's been an open door since the church began back in the book of Acts. But the reason I believe that that we are in this time frame of Philadelphia is because of what it says in the church of Laodicea. Let's just go down to verse 20. Verse 20 says this, and this is to the letter of uh, the church of Laodicea. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him and he with me. By the way, that's not talking about salvation. It's not talking about accepting Jesus Christ as Savior, although it's a, it's a great one that, that ministers use. That's not what it's talking about, because these letters were written to Christians. So I want you to notice in Philadelphia the door was open, because Jesus opened it, and he rem it remains open until he shuts it. But notice by the time they get to Laodicea, it's closed. That door is closed because he's just knocking and they have to open it. Does that make sense? You with me on that? 
Okay, the only reason I want you to understand that is because I want you to understand that the time frame that, that we are in prophetically is the Church of Philadelphia. Does that mean that all the churches are that way? No, I wish they were, because Philadelphia was one of the greatest ones. There were only two of the letters that did not have negative slants to them. It was, it was Smyrna and Philadelphia, and Philadelphia was the one that had the greatest promise. So... But I want you to understand the time frame that we are in is the church of Philadelphia. So let's go back and read again. Let's start at verse 8 again. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door. And I want you to be thinking in your mind, this is right now. I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power. And yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, verse 9, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Verse 10, because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. Before we go on, let me go back. I, I, I can't get past verse 9 and not repeat it again and, and, and say what that's talking about. Okay, everybody's smiling because they know what I'm about to say. Verse 9 has not happened yet. Do you understand that? That is something that is going to happen in the church. That is going to happen in this world. What is it? That the world will honor the church, the body of Christ, the bride. Okay, that's never happened. In the history of the bride, that has never happened. Even back when Acts started, they were a persecuted church, right? It's never happened. But yet it says right here that this is not a metaphor. This will happen where the world honors the church. It says we'll bow down or give honor to the bride. Why? It says at the end of that, verse 9. So that they will learn that I have loved you. So the world will see how much Jesus Christ loves us. Loves his bride. Why is that? Because he does. Because he is readying his bride to take her home. Because verse 10, what we read, is the rapture. Where the church of Philadelphia will not stay on the earth during the time of tribulation. The church of Philadelphia, or those Christians at that time, will be taken up. Why? Because the bride's readied. See, you can't, the, the bride cannot go. If you, if you read the book Song of Songs, or some people call it Song of Solomon, and you understand what that really is talking about, it's talking about readying the bride of Christ for him, for the master. For the groom. And the bride is not readied under turmoil. The bride is not readied because she's beaten down so bad that, okay, I just got to go save her. Because there's not going to be any left. Or they're all so depressed, I better go get them. <laughs> I mean, that's just silly. Think about a wedding. A wedding's a happy occasion, right? Read the book, Song of Songs. 
and you see it's a joyous occasion when the bride is finally ready. And she goes through this process of being ready. But then when she's ready and he comes to get her, it's this overwhelming joy. See, it's going to be the same thing with us and Christ coming to get us. It's going to be when we are overwhelmed with joy that we're ready. Now, don't confuse that with no problems. Okay, It doesn't mean that you have this joy because there are no problems. It's more that you have this joy because you have stepped through the proper doors. He said, behold, I have an open door for you that nobody can shut. Only I can shut. And by the way, I'm not going to shut it till I come get you. I'm not going to shut it until you're ready. And I come and take you from this place to come and be with him forever. That's when he closes the door. That's when we go to be with him as the ready bride. So let, let's back up a second. Let's understand that it's not a single door. If you look in your life right now, evaluate where you are right now with Jesus Christ. First of all, if you haven't accepted him, then that's the first door. Because you can't possibly see any of the other doors without accepting him first. You have to walk through that first door. You have to say yes, believing that he is the son of God who came to this earth, became a man, lived a perfect sinless life, died on the cross for our sins, rose from the grave, and now sits at the right hand of the Father. See, that's the first door. That's the first door you have to say yes to and walk through. That's an easy one because he did everything. He did everything for that. We don't have to do anything except give him our yes. Yes, Lord, I believe. Yes, with my mouth I confess. I confess my sin and I confess you as Lord. Boom, I'm through the door. That's it. But then he begins to take us on a journey. And we've talked about this. This is this thing called relationship. We talk about it as sanctification. From the moment you're saved, you accept Jesus Christ into your heart, to the moment you breathe your last breath is called your sanctification. That is your relationship with Jesus. And by the way, everything shifts at that point. Because that one is on you and me. That one is where Jesus said, draw unto me, and I will draw unto you. Whereas in our salvation, he comes after us. He knocks on the door. He, he tries to get us to see who he is. Once we accept him, the relationship part we have responsibility for. We can't just say, sit back, you do everything, God. He's not going to do that. Why? Because the very thing that he wants out of this, he cannot get without us pursuing him. And that's love. See, he cannot get love from you just the fact that you accepted him as Savior. He can only get love from you when you have a relationship with him. So in building that relationship, he begins opening doors. And it's not... It's not like overwhelming. You see all the doors ahead. You just see that next door. 
And he wants you just to walk through. You begin to pray, Lord, is this the door you want for me? That's a really critical thing to do because there's someone else who opens doors. You know, Satan opens doors. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, right? We wrestle in the spirit world against a real enemy. And everything he does is a fake of what God does. He's not creative. He can't create on his own. But he can fake those doors. And he's pretty good at it. He can make a door look so good that, boy, I'm positive that's God. I don't even have to ask. I know that's God. Ask. (laughs) You always want to ask. You always want to make sure. Why? Because Satan even comes as an angel of light, the Bible says. But as you begin to make sure that that door is of God, perhaps it's taking you in a different direction in life. Perhaps it's what you're pursuing in school. Perhaps it's what you're you're doing in your marriage. Maybe doing in your career. Everybody in here is facing an open door somewhere, somehow. We may not always recognize it. Because you've got to search him out to see it. But everybody has an open door in front of them. It's what we call God's will. You know, we're always seeking God's will. We're always waiting for him to download this will to us so I have the mapped out plan of my life. And the tough part is he doesn't. He, he just, here's the next post-it note. <laughs> here's the next step. Here's the next piece. Now, occasionally, occasionally, you get to look at maybe a couple steps ahead. And that's, a, that's an awesome thing when that happens. But you know what? Honestly, that's rare. Honestly, it's rare because he wants our faith. He wants us to trust him in that next step. Now, I will say this, though. The more you give him your yes in that, And the more you are stepping forward in faith, there comes an acceleration of movement. Have you ever experienced that before where you say, yes, Lord, I'm I'm just moving through. Yes, I know this is you. I know you will provide. I'm just moving through. I've used this example before, but when, when 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 we closed the business, that's what it was. We knew that that's what he wanted. We confirmed that's what he wanted. It wasn't even a doubt in our mind that that's what he wanted. So we did it. We gave him our yes, and we started to move. We began to move. We did it immediately. But you know what? It was almost like I just began to move, and I didn't worry about anything else of that door. Why? Because that door is behind me. He already promised that door. He already promised to meet every need I would have. Every financial need that we would have, that we were facing, he already promised. So for me to go back and and say, well, Lord, you you promised, but I'm really worried about this. And and I don't know what to do because, you know, I have this mortgage due and, and, you know, I, I have zero money to pay it with. Okay, that is me going back to that door that's already been opened that I've already walked through, 
that I already proved out. Remember, he wants your faith. So when you step through a door that you know is him, step through in confidence knowing that 2 Corinthians 9.8 is applied. But my God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. So when you go, and by the way, that's not just financial. That's everything. He said all three times in that verse. I'm not sure how many more alls you could get in there. He said everything. So what you're facing right now, this this open door that you're looking at in your life and and you're, you're proving out, God, is this the door you want me to walk through? Once you prove that out, claim that verse and don't look back. Just trust him no matter what. Now understand that you're going to be tested in that. Anytime we walk through a door, we become tested. Why? Because we're on new ground. We're on new ground. And, and, and see, Satan does not like us on the new ground. He's going to make us want to think that we made a mistake and went through the wrong door. He doesn't want us going through a door that God opened. Why? Because there's fruit on the other side. There's where God uses us on the other side. There's joy. There's all the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. All that is on the other side. Satan doesn't want us to get there. So when we walk through, he will do what he can to make you think you made a mistake. And I'll tell you what, that's real easy to do. It's real easy to do, especially when you don't see results right away. Well, Lord, you know, you, you told me to start pursuing this career. I'm, I'm in school, and, and, you know, quite frankly, this is really hard. This isn't what I expected. If you knew that was him, trust him for it. Or perhaps you, you started a new career or something or, or you're in school and, and all of a sudden you can't pay for it. But you knew it was God. Trust him for it. Because remember, God is going to allow you to be tested in ways that will solidify your faith. Anything you go through that requires faith, the only way that's solidified is through testing. We've been tested as a church. You know, we're a little, little over a year and a half old as a church. But we're, we're a church, a house church. I, I mean, I, I, built, I built businesses faster than this. I remember we, we had a business where we built, built it to over 200 people within six months. That, that was, and, and that wasn't that hard. But see... This isn't a business. This is life. This is God's will. And what he needs to build in us is the faith to know that no matter what, we trust him. When he said, start a church, that's all that mattered. It didn't matter even all the promises that he said. Even all the visions that he's given us. Even of the building that we're supposed to be in, that he's got for us. And those are all awesome things. But bottom line, in terms of doors, they don't matter. They, 
Because what matters is what's right here. What matters is that we have lives that we are trusting him with. We're moving forward because we've already gone through that door. And now we're living out by faith the calling that he did through that door. And when we move through a door, he always opens another one. We may not recognize it right away because we're still reeling from the last one. But he always opens that next door. And then he just waits. He waits for us to seek him in it. Where are you at right now? Have you just stepped through a door that was a difficult door? Have you just stepped through something that that now you're getting bombarded with trials and testing? Or have you stepped through a door a while ago and you've been through testing and you've held fast to that? Are you looking for the next door? That next door? opening that he wants you to step through, I guarantee you everyone in here has a door before him. But let's look on the other side too. We have to be careful to make sure it's of him. Because remember, the enemy opens the door too. And the enemy, when the enemy opens the door and we step through that door, something else happens. See, we give authority to the enemy when we do that. It's just like when we step through a door that God wants us to step through, we literally are giving God the authority to bless us with the blessing that comes through walking through that door. It's no different with the enemy. With the enemy, when we walk through a door that was not of God, and we open a door that the enemy has opened, some are obvious, some are not, we give him authority in our lives. And sometimes it's not a blatant, overt thing. Sometimes it's things that creep up on us over time. You know, how many, how many times do we, do we get involved in something that, that seems really benign? And then all of a sudden, after a few months or whatever, it's like taking all your time. <laughs> I remember, I'll give you a good example of this, because in no way, you know... Did I believe this was, this was a door of Satan or anything else? And, and really, I think if I would have maybe not, not gotten so interested in it, it wouldn't have turned into that. But I, a few years ago, probably seven or eight years ago, I really got into paintball. Loved it. Oh, it was awesome. I got, I, it was just the best thing in the world. I got to play, you know, Marine. It was cool. And, and I got so into it. I mean, I had everything. I, I mean, when you spend about $3,500 on paintball equipment, you're into it. <laughs> okay, I, I had got everything that I had. I mean, unless if you, with paintball, you have this thing called a hopper that holds the paint balls. If that wasn't on there, you couldn't tell it wasn't a regular gun. And I had, I had three of them. I had a sniper rifle, and I had one that, that would shoot, if you can imagine this, it would shoot 22 paintballs per second. Yeah, it was fun. It was so much fun. It was so much fun, and I had a full ghillie suit, so I'm, I'm hiding in the woods, and I'm sitting here in a bush, and people walk right up to me, and I'd wait till they were about five feet away. <laughs> Those things hurt, too. 
We, we used to wear as a badge of honor how many welts we would get on our body from that day. And, and the more welts you got, that meant you weren't very good. <laughs> and so it, this was fun. You know, we did it. I did it every weekend and then sometimes twice a week. It, it was fun. It was something that I enjoyed. And, and uh, by the way, I was with all Christians. I'm pretty sure. I shot the ones that weren't, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, you raced that one on the tape. But it was fun, right? But it started taking all my time. Because this was back when we had the limousine company, and I had this big field out back of our place. So, so when I wasn't playing, I was dialing in my gun. Or guns. Oh, and I got to tell you this. It was so cool. <laughs> I had this grenade launcher. Okay? It shot 165 pellets in one shot. And, and the, the cool thing about this was that, yeah, they were paint pellets, but they were small. So when they hit, they wouldn't break. It was really more like BBs. <laughs> and so, so when it hit somebody, it would really hurt them. And, and so, so we would do when we, <laughs> sorry, I'm taking up time. But this is a great story. When, when, we, when we would, uh, about to play for the day, and we'd play for hours, we, we'd go and dial in our guns, and, you know, we're shooting at this big wall or whatever. It's, it's a, uh, a wood wall. And we go, and we're, you know, dialing it in, and, and I would just casually walk up to about 15 feet from the wall, and I, I'd load, load one of the grenades while everybody's just standing around, and i boom! And it would put a hole in the wall. And I would turn and look at everybody and say, if anybody shoots me within 10 feet, I will shoot you back and that's what I'm going to (laughs) use. So needless to say, I enjoyed this. It was so much fun. It was an adrenaline rush. But it got to, to be too much of who I was. See, because even when I wasn't playing it, I was thinking about it. Even when I wasn't, you know, playing it, I was planning I was working on it. I'd take the guns and I, I'd put leaves on them and, and I'd spray paint them all camo and everything. It was a sickness. <laughs> but don't we get that way in life? I mean, there are good things in life that become bad things in our life. You know, good things that God gives us to enjoy. And, and it may have even been a door that he opened. But he said, that can't be the only door. If there's something in your life that he's given you that you enjoy, that begin to take the place of him and the time that he wants to spend with you, that good becomes a bad. And we have to look. That's why when you walk through a door, you immediately in your mind start conditioning yourself to looking for the next door. Because there is one. It's kind of like those steps. And I've used this as an illustration many times. It takes faith to step up a step. And then when you're on that step, he settles you in that faith. But there's always another step. There's always another step. Just like there's always another door. He has a plan beyond where you are right now. And it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life, good or bad. 
If you are a Christian, there is an open door set before you. Why? Because he said so. I believe him. And he said nobody can shut it but him. There is this open door before you right now. So how, how do you figure out what that is? How do, you figure, how do you begin to figure out what that next door is? Even if you just went through one. That's where the relationship comes in. That's where the intimacy comes in. See, because in a relationship, there is back and forth communication. It's not just I accept Jesus Christ in my heart. He is my Savior. I'll read some principles out of the Word of God and I'll live by them and I'm good. I mean, you are good for heaven. You'll go to heaven. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 promise that. You'll never lose that. But it doesn't promise the fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't promise love, joy, peace, patience. It doesn't promise all of those things. Why? Because that comes as a result of relationship. So you begin to seek him. You begin to understand who he is in his word, but then apply his word. You begin talking to him. You patiently wait for him to speak back to you. And guess what? He does. He speaks back to us. He shares with us in that relationship. It's not a one-way thing. It's a two-way thing. See, that communication is the only thing you need to know where that next door is. If you don't have that communication with Christ, you can't possibly know where the next door is. But if you have that communication where you're speaking to him and you let him speak to you, then you can learn where that next door is. Why? Because he says, just ask. Just ask and trust and he will begin to show you. Just give him your obedience, give him your yes, and he'll begin to show you. Now, by the way, he doesn't speak to everybody the same way. And he speaks in many different ways. So don't just assume, well, he's not speaking to me this one way, and so that's it. He's just not speaking to me. Jesus speaks through many ways. I'll tell you, for me, for 40 years before I saw that there was another possibility, he spoke to me through the word of God. The word of God is, is our foundation. It's our strength. It's, it's what he has already spoken. And the word of God applies to me in a personal way. So he, for 40 years, has spoken to me through his word. But then as I began to understand relationship with him and understand that, that this is a two-way relationship, he began speaking to me in other ways. He began speaking to me in my heart. He began speaking to me through other circumstances, through people. And he even spoke to me audibly. See, if you go after him, he will communicate back with you. That's how you know the next open door. That's how you know where to go. And then when you do that, give him your yes. When you know that door, don't delay. 
Just say, yes, Lord, and step. Yes, Lord, I'll go. Yes, Lord. Because there's only one thing that can move you through that door, and that's obedience. It's only obedience. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 6. We're going to close up here. Luke chapter 6 and verse uh, 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? See, what Jesus is saying here is, why do you say you trust me? Why do you say you believe in me? Why do you say that you're going to go through this door? But yet you don't. You don't obey. There's no obedience in what you say. See, obedience has to be the marker of moving through that door. What doors he got in front of you? What door is in your life right now that you that it, perhaps you're where you're just confirming that door? Or perhaps you know, and it's a little scary. Perhaps you know that door and you haven't given him your yes yet. You haven't stepped in obedience yet. It's only through that obedience that he can bless. It's only through that obedience that he can take us to a deeper walk with him. By the way, another thing that comes through going through those doors is intimacy. Intimacy in our relationship with Christ You can't not go through the door and expect to be close to him. Why? Because Hebrews 11.6, faith is what pleases him. So he has to have a step with obedience, giving our yes step in faith. It has to involve faith. It can't. If, If what you are doing now in your life, if it does not involve a measure of faith, then I got bad news for you. You're not supposed to be there. Maybe it's a place you were supposed to be and you got comfortable with it. But see, if you're not stepping out in faith every day of your life, you're not moving forward in your relationship with Christ. You can't be. Because it's, it's the very blood flow of that faith that provides the movement for our lives in our relationship with him. It's that faith that draws us close. That faith is what provides the sanctification of our lives. Why? Because we can't see him. So when he has a person that believes him and yet can't see him, oh man, he loves that. He loves that. Why? Because we just trust him. And then when you go through one and he proves himself true, that faith is solidified. But you can't linger. Why? Because he wants to take you to that next step in faith. Right? So where are you at in your life right now? Are you at a point of faith in your life where you're trusting 
and things. And I'm not saying he never gives us a time of rest where I feel good. He does. And praise God he does. There are those moments where we can take a breath. But he never wants us there for too long. Why? Because he wants us closer to him. Constantly drawing closer to him. And the only way we can do that is, is faith. And the only way that begins is through obedience. I want to end with a, a poem. I was listening to Chuck Missler, and he, uh, uh, he read this poem. This is an old poem. So it, it, the word in it is ye. I'm going to just say you, just so you know. I'm not going to say ye. But this was inscribed on a wall in Lübeck, Germany. And there's a big cathedral there. And this was inscribed. They don't even know who wrote it. It's anonymous. But they inscribed this on the wall. It's been there for almost a 1,000 years. It was in, in 11, uh, 1173, I think, it was, it was built. But this is what he says. And, and let this ring true in your heart. Just, just let the words sink in. You call me master and obey me not. You call me light and see me not. You call me way. And follow me not. You call me life and desire me not. You call me wise and acknowledge me not. You call me fair and love me not. You call me rich and ask me not. You call me eternal and seek me not. You call me gracious and trust me not. You call me noble and serve me not. You call me mighty and honor me not. You call me just and fear me not. If I condemn you, blame me not. He needs our yes. He needs our obedience. And he needs our movement through the door. Let's pray.